with the scent of potpourri Filled to commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly podcast that reviews one or two new release titles every episode with an occasional free-for-all segment at the end that we call Potpourri. You can find more of our work, including written reviews, a full episode show notes, and the complete backlog of our episodes at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also write into the show by emailing me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you'd like to support us and get access to hundreds of exclusive episodes, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where you can get access to to content at any of our tier levels on a recurring monthly subscription basis, or you can buy individual collections a la carte in the Patreon shop section. Uh, this week on Patreon, I should have a Patreon potpourri posted by the time you guys are listening to this. I promise I've been a little bit behind on those. I'm doing a Criterion channel uh, kind of Patreon potpourri episode. Those are full-length episodes where I review four movies. Um, I'm doing a whole series on Criterion Channel viewings um, because I have Criterion Channel and I really like it. Um, Elsewhere, I'm also doing weekly installments of what I'm calling Flanagan Fridays and Sci-Fi Saturdays. So Flanagan Fridays, I am uh, like I am on the second half of The Haunting of Hill House every week. I do an episode review. Um, and then on the sci-fi side on Saturdays, I do episode reviews of, uh, at this point I'm nearing the end of foundation season two, um, and looking forward to moving on to other sci-fi stuff after that. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Check it out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, including Letterboxd at uh, Obsessive Viewer. And today on the podcast, what we're doing is an extended potpourri episode, which is a full-length episode, all just doing a round-robin potpourri segment for the entire episode. And joining me to do that is my co-host, Mr. Tiny. Tiny it can be found on letterbox.com slash obsessive tiny. And how is it going tiny? It's going good, man. Um, yeah, check my letterbox. I've actually been watching a couple movies here and there. I've noticed um, starting the year not, off strong. Not, nothing great. And like some old shit, like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing particularly new uh, <laughs> necessarily, but uh, yeah, I've been watching a couple movies. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I've been, I've been kind of not like, I haven't been monitoring it or anything, but I have been kind of taking, taking, like, I'll, I'll see it pop up on my activity, uh, thing. And yeah, it's, it's very, very, uh, very good. Um, trying to find like how many, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to guess how many movies you've watched so far this year? Oh gosh. And we're Uh, recording this February 7th. 25. Oh, 16, but th- this is a good oh, guess. Fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels like so many more than that. So many more than that. Yeah. You know, and, and I get that. I get that. Do you want to guess how many I've watched? <laughs> Which... No. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, 38. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. I'm not going to say, cause it's very gauche and everything, but I will say that when, um, when Blink-182 broke up, uh, one of the projects that like, like Mark Hoppus went on to is this band called plus 44, um, which kind of describes my 
movie watching at this point in 2024 is you dork i know (laughs) 44 that's really good yeah it is a very strong start and uh and yeah what i've been doing though is um at least uh i've been more so like last year um i feel like i didn't write a lot of like movie reviews and um so what i've been doing this year is i've been i've been if i see a movie that's that's interesting to me i'll like try to get a screener for it and i'll write a review of it so i've been doing that i have a list of a few movies that i have screeners for right now that i need to watch um in in review but um that's something that i'm focusing on a little bit of my attention on plus of course i have criterion channels i've been watching a lot of that nice yeah right yeah right um i like your blurbs i've always been a fan of the the letterbox letterbox blurbs and you like do like a a dump of them all at once yeah uh i've yeah yeah i i enjoy doing those i'll have to talk to you off mic about something but uh but no it's it's a lot of fun i really like doing that and um yeah yeah one of the like i think i saw it on like maybe tiktok or something but um or maybe it was just a comment on like reddit or something but it was or maybe a tweet but it was something like it was like a meme of like it might have been it might have been like um that is it pablo escobar meme i don't know if it's pablo escobar but it's from narcos where it's the guy sitting um alone he (laughs) it's just like that feeling when you're your uh your well thought out uh letterbox review gets zero likes and a one sentence joke re- reaction gets like a hundred likes <laughs> from someone else <laughs> oh shit but yeah but that's funny you know i you know i didn't join letterbox to make friends and i haven't <laughs> um <laughs> uh, but no really please follow business. us <laughs> Letterbox is very serious business. Yeah, we take it seriously. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, we love Letterboxd. It's amazing. It's uh, yeah, I. It, it yeah. Over the years, it has just enhanced even more the enjoyment that I get out of watching movies and doing like these podcasts and everything. So. Yeah. Every speaking mm. of that, every time I go to my stats page, which usually is only like once or twice a year or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like every time I go there, like I'll open it up and it'll be like back to 2009. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. Matt's crazy. And he, I gave him my my Word documents from back in the day and he went and plugged it all in. I did. I did that for you and Mike and myself. I so like, I, I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm insane. Um, something that I've been doing on the podcast that and I, I'm... I. I'm going to break, I'm I'm going to uh, just kind of nip it in the bud here that I didn't get a chance to do it this time. But like what I've been doing since I've been doing a lot of episodes where I just have a guest from like the IFJ on, um, the last few weeks I've been basically, I will look on their letterbox and if I have time to watch a movie that they've rated highly that I haven't seen, I'll watch that and bring that up for potpourri. Um, so like when Brent was on, I talked about chunking express and when Sam was on, I talked about the wages of fear. Um, when Nick was on, I was going to talk about hoop dreams, but I did not have time to watch that beforehand. And the same thing happened this week. I was going to watch a movie that you adore that I haven't seen, but I didn't have time to, to do it. So I apologize. Okay. 
Do you want to know what movie that was? I'm curious, yes. Okay, well, let me just say that this extended potpourri is unlike unlike The Hills. This extended potpourri is not going to be alive with The Sound of Music <laughs> um, because I did not get a chance to watch The Sound of Music. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, I, don't, I don't blame you. That's a long movie. It is, and I just wish that I, I like, I had like a very finite amount of time um, to fit it in. And I was like, I started, like, I started it, and then I started dozing off. And I was like, okay, I can stay up until one o'clock, and then be dead on my feet at work, or I can just not, and continue living my life and watch it eventually so (laughs) i get that yeah yep um so yeah so today on the show um (laughs) we are going to be doing an extended potpourri which like i said is basically a feature length or full episode length version of the potpourri section that we end the episodes on um so basically what that means is we're just going to go back and forth talking about movies that we've watched lately topics we want to talk about it's kind of a free-for-all um in the show notes of this episode which are available at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov415 um and in the podcast app that you're listening to this on i do have timestamps, so if you want to jump around to hear us talk about specific titles uh check the show notes for timestamps. um but tiny before we get into our extended potpourri i do have a few news items i wanted to bring up if you uh want to talk about some things sure okay so this is going to go up on uh actually i think this is going to go up on february 14th no february 15th 15th so happy belated valentine's day to all the valentines out there um and uh this is going up on the 15th and uh last week's episode where i reviewed argyle with uh my friend nick that was recorded like the day before carl weathers died so i we didn't talk about it in the episode of course so um i wanted to just kind of set aside a little bit of time at the top of this episode to just mention that Carl Weathers passed away at the age of 76. Obviously he was very famous for playing Apollo Creed in Rocky. He was in Predator, uh, Happy Gilmore, Mandalorian, and of course Arrested Development as well. Um, Tiny, how did you feel or like, what are your thoughts on Carl Weathers and his, the legacy he leaves behind? Uh, I mean, it's easy to I think I think it's easy to look at Carl Weathers and see kind of a um, kind of like how he kind of makes me think of like Sylvester Stallone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's the uh, adversary and then eventual friend of Rocky, mm-hmm. um, and he's that's probably his most famous role is is the Rocky movies. Um, but kind of like Sylvester Stallone, I think he was a maybe was a little bit mistypecast. Um, he, I think a lot of people might think of him as like kind of an action star and kind of a meat meathead kind of guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's a bit of a shame because he has he demonstrated that he is a a deep, well well talented, well rounded actor in mm-hmm. in every role he was in. Um, and he could do, you know, it was so funny to see him in Arrested Development because it's like <laughs> you never would have thought to see him in a comedy like that. Um, yeah, so he was, he's a great actor and just seemed like a good guy. So really, really a shame. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Sylvester Stallone had like a, like gave like a, like posted a video on, I think his Instagram 
where he basically eulogizes Carl Weathers a little bit. And it's like, you can tell like how broken up he is, how upset he is and everything. And it's, it's very heartwarming. It's very sad. So I recommend checking that out. But, um, something else that I had read was that apparently he pitched Mitch Hurwitz the idea of making like his character in Arrested Development be a version of himself. That's just super cheap. Um, so like that idea came from Carl Weathers and that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. And honestly, I think that that, that, that alone as a concept is just so brilliantly, like it's such a brilliant lightning in a bottle kind of concept, but the way that that show just ran with that was phenomenal. Like I just, I loved, I loved his, his, uh, performance as himself in Arrested Development really good absolutely yeah yeah um and i'm not going to include this in the extended potpourri but i will say that in a in a last minute turn of events i did watch action jackson which is a 1988 movie that he was uh, the star of as the titular action jackson as a little like in memoriam viewing um super fun like it is this incredibly like over the top cheesy a combination of like of like action like 80s action movie and like uh kind of in the vein of like die hard and like 70s like black exploitation and it's it was a delight it was so it was so much fun just watching watching action jackson i think he he did a great job in it nice i've never seen it yeah definitely definitely recommend it um there's a scene where shortly after it's established that uh carl weathers or that that action jackson in the movie was a track star uh he on foot runs down a taxi cab that tried to kill him um and then there's a moment where (laughs) uh the the driver like tries to run him over again and he leaps clear over it (laughs) <laughs> he just he jumps and he clears the entire taxi <laughs> it's it's hilarious it's it's awesome it's so much fun <clears throat> nice yeah uh so yeah r.i.p to carl weathers and uh and yeah let us know what your favorite carl weathers role was uh you email matt at obsessiveviewer.com or join patreon and uh comment on there i guess i don't know um the next piece of news that I have is that there's not a lot of information about this, but Dave Franco and Alison Brie are going to star in a codependency horror film called Together. Um, it's written and directed by a first-time filmmaker. I can't remember his name, um, but there's not a lot of details about it, just that it explores like codependency in a horror genre platform. Um, and it stars Dave Franco and Alison Brie. Uh, are you interested in this at all, Tiny? Do you have any thoughts on this news about this upcoming film? Yeah, for sure. It sounds interesting. Um, I'm not, not a huge Dave Franco fan as an mm-hmm. actor. Like I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to him in, in a role like this. I, I kind of associate him with uh, comedy or like kind of fluff kind of movies, I guess. Um, like now you see me like those movies. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> But Alison Brie, you know, she's done a little bit more uh, dramatic stuff and big fan of hers. So I liked the, uh, oh boy, what was the uh, movie called that they uh, did together? Yeah. Um, um, uh, somebody I used to know. Yeah. Yeah. We thought that was good. I think we reviewed it last year. Did we? Okay. I th- think so. I, think I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Or a couple years ago. But yeah, they, yeah, they co-wrote the, wrote that movie together. 
yeah, that was good. I like that movie. Nice. Yeah, me too. I thought it was it was solid. So yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens, and uh, here in like a year or two, when it comes out, we will review it. That is our our solemn vow to you guys listening. We will review together when it comes out. Tiny and I will together. Um, <laughs> the final piece of news before we get into our extended potpourri, though. Is I don't know if you saw this tiny, but um, the trailer for A Quiet Place Day One came out. Um, this is the prequel to A Quiet Place, the A Quiet Place franchise. Uh, it comes out, I believe, June twenty eighth in theaters. It stars Lupita Nyong'o and is directed by the guy who directed Pig. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, tiny, did you get a chance to see this trailer? And if so, what did you think? I didn't. I should okay. have watched it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh what is your what are your feelings about the the franchise of A Quiet Place and what is like what is your interest in a prequel? Um I I'm interested in it just because I love the concept. Um the first movie made my top ten that year and I stand mm-hmm. by that. That was a that first movie is fantastic. Uh, like yeah. one of my favorite favorite endings. I need I need to rewatch it. It's been a while. Uh, the ending was cool as shit. Mm-hmm. I thought the second, um, the second movie was also really good. I really liked the um, the opening scene where they kind of mm-hmm. like as the event is happening for the first time. Like that was so well filmed and well yeah. made. Uh, really enjoyed that. So and, and the movie ended up being really cool too. I just I think the the concept is just really cool. There's so many opportunities to have very high intensity scenes because of that dynamic that they, you know, the whole silence thing is just really cool. Um great idea. So I'm I'm open to anything in that universe. Um and nice. you know, prequels are usually pretty fun. So uh yeah, and little Pizza Yango, awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I you know it's funny, I haven't revisited part two since I saw it in the theater. Um it was I mean in, and that was one of the first movies back after COVID, I think. Um mm. so it kind of had that like kind of glow to it, I guess. But um, I'm, I'm curious about this prequel. Um, I know it's obviously been in the works for a while. Um, and Michael Sarnowski is the, is the, uh, director's name, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not going to really, uh, come down one way or the other on whether or not I'm very excited for it. The trailer is pretty promising, um, but it's also got, so it's got Lupita Nyong'o, it's got Joseph Quinn uh from uh uh he was the guy yes stranger things um oh god what was his name uh the guitar guy um metallica guy oh eddie eddie yeah um and it's also got uh uh, alex wolf uh i'm sorry friend of the show alex wolf (laughs) i talked to him for 10 seconds on a red carpet at heartland in like 2014 um (laughs) And, uh, Jaman Hansu is going to, uh, reprise his role from the sequel. So, but it being a prequel is, you know, whatever. Right. Um, right. so it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what happens, how they deepen the lore. Um, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. if anything, it'll give me an excuse to rewatch the first two movies. So, 
Nice. Yeah. Um, so that is all of the news and updates that I have. Tiny, would you like to get started on our extended potpourri? Um, Totes, my goats. Nice. Uh, how many things do you have? Uh, I have three three things, but four topics, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I technically have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight things Fuck. but five of them is all kind of encompassing on one thing so okay i can kind of do that but why don't you go ahead and get us kicked off with uh the first thing that you're going to bring up for extended sure. potpourri yeah so the first thing i wanted to bring up i'm going to talk about the three things in order of release date for no particular reason at all <laughs> nice um so i over the weekend i binged peacemaker on uh hbo okay um, just kind of on a whim just for no particular reason uh i just decided to watch it and uh i thought it was really fun super i mean it's it's uh i didn't realize that the whole thing was written by james gunn i mm. did not know that but he wrote every episode um and he directed like half of them so i mean he was heavily involved uh with the whole series um it's eight episodes i don't know if they're gonna do more or not um mm. I, i'm good either way i don't know that they necessarily have to um i will be there if they do more <laughs> um but yeah it's it's just so it was so fun like it, it is it is peak james gunn the whole thing like okay. it's it's so it's so reminiscent of um guardians because you have this ragtag group ragtag group of people with you know a kind of an eccentric people um, who are bouncing off of one another and, uh, you know, they're in these high intensity moments and they're pausing to say something funny and goofy. And it's, it's just always really fun. It's over the top. Um, I kind of loved it. It was, it was super fun. Nice. Um, did you, have you had a chance to see it yet or are you interested in it at all? Um, I have not, um, I like, I, I don't know, honestly. So like, it's so weird because in terms of DC things, like, yeah, it's it's James Gunn, and I like James Gunn, and I enjoyed the Suicide Squad, but, like, that's also marred for me because of just, like, weird things. Like, I tried to see that movie, like, two or two or three separate times, and, like, I had, like, a panic attack that was unrelated to it, so, like, I left the theater, and then when I finally saw it again, when it, like, hit VOD or whatever like my attention was not paid toward it. Like I, like I don't even think I rated it on letterboxd because it was one of those things where I did see the entire movie, but it was just like, I was in a very, very weird headspace. So like, I couldn't, I don't know. It just, it, I, I always intended to revisit it, but I think with the death of the DCEU, and how it's kind of tied to that. But also, I know that James Gunn is starting the DCU, and this is maybe going to port over to that. I'm not sure. Um, I, do, I just don't know. I'm, And it's also probably just um, an extension of me just being kind of burnt out on comic book properties um, in their current state. So the that's a long-winded way of saying, no, I haven't seen it. I might check it out at some point. But I've heard really great things. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you'd like it. Um, mm. but, uh, it's, I would say if, if you liked James Gunn's 
Suicide Squad, then you'll definitely like it because it's very much in the same vein. Mm. Um, that's when the character was introduced and everything of, right. of Peacemaker. So um, John Cena just crushes it. I mean, mm. I, gosh, I, I never, I'm amazed at how far John Cena has come because, <laughs> I mean, even, even like, it's easy to compare him to like The Rock, right? Because they both came from WWE. Right. And, but, but I feel like The Rock was a more serious character or was le- less of a, less of a character and more of who Dwayne Johnson, like it, obviously he was playing things up and everything, but I'm just saying like he, he was more grounded, I guess. Whereas right. John Cena is just like, you know, he was wearing his, his, his jorts and he had the, <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Like I never actually watched John mm. Cena as a wrestler, but like just the image seemed like way too cartoonish and just yeah. out there. But for I mean, he just totally has kind of shaken that off in my opinion. And he's fun as hell to watch. Um I remember the first first thing I really saw him as, saw him in as an actor that really surprised me was um Trainwreck. Oh um, yeah where he plays the the boyfriend um and he was just like he stole every scene he was in he was so damn funny mm. um and he, I, I feel like he's just carried he's carried that momentum ever since then and every time i see him i just enjoy the hell out of what he's doing um it doesn't really matter what he's doing so yeah. um but the, he he does comedy really well mm. uh i i i think he just he has a knack for it so um yeah it's it's a it's just a really it was really fun. Um, over the topness, peak peak James Gunn, in my opinion. So um, definitely recommend it. Nice. I will have to catch up to that for sure. Nice. Um, yeah. Shall I give my first extended potpourri segment uh, this episode? Please. Okay. So in a, this is going to be kind of brief. But also, I do want to take this opportunity to say, uh, you know, follow me on uh, um, social media and and on TikTok and Instagram and stuff, because I last night, one of the reasons why I didn't watch uh, The Sound of Music Tiny is because I spent uh, about two or about an hour and a half last night uh, editing and scheduling um, 12 TikToks to go up over the course of the next six days. (laughs) holy shit so yeah so please god go like them and share them uh i'm cross sharing them all across like facebook and and uh and instagram but anyway um the my first potpourri is uh going to be for the amazon prime video original movie uh role play which stars kaylee cuoco and david oyelowo um it is a very formulaic and uninspired um, secret assassin family uh, woman uh, thriller, family thriller, I guess, um, where Kayla Cuoco plays um, a married woman with with kids, multiple kids, I think. Yeah, multiple kids, um, two kids. And she moonlights as a, an assassin. She she trots the globe killing people for money and when her two lives intersect it it is a is a recipe for formulaic spy action bs that does not sustain it's uh does not does not hold your attention it does does not sustain it's almost two hour runtime i think or maybe hour and 45 
Um, it's not good is what I'm getting at. The action, like the choreography, the set pieces of the action are very just lazy and uninspired. And I say this in my letterbox review, but I don't need, I don't need action movies like this to try to emulate John Wick or Mission Impossible. Like it doesn't do that. But what I'm saying is I don't need it to be like top tier action choreography. And there's no attempt for role play to do that. But what I do want out of this type of movie is at least, at least a little bit more effort. So like there are scenes where like Kayla Cuoco is, is fighting someone or she's having an altercation with someone in which she's fighting for her life. And the camera just doesn't, doesn't follow it as organically as I would like it to. And there's a lot of like quick cuts and very just lazy camera setups and lazy choreography. It feels like they weren't really that um, prepared to shoot a very cohesive action sequence. And that's basically throughout the entire movie. Uh, the other big failing of it is that it's not interesting. The plot is is as formulaic as they come, and it is just not engaging really at all. Like when you get to a bunch of the different like hallmarks of this genre, it doesn't do anything to separate itself from the conventions of the genre, and it doesn't do anything to really um, endear us to the characters or in like to the characters or the sense of betrayal or the shock of finding out the truth. And like all of those like melodramatic moments just fall completely flat because it's just not set up properly. And as much as I like David Oyelowo and Kaylee Cuoco, like the chemistry is not there. It's, they're not really that uh, charismatic together. So that's role play. It's on Amazon Prime. I do not recommend it. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's very bland <laughs> and it's like if you've seen if you've seen one movie similar to this, you've seen this movie. Okay. So yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Have you seen um watched any of I think it's called The Flight Attendant, uh Kaylee Cuoco's show on HBO? I have not, and I don't know much about it. I don't know, is it is it a murder mystery? Do you know? I don't really know. I've heard okay. it's kind of good. But, I've, um, I've heard that too. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to go watch it. Just never have. Yeah, I yeah. think she's yeah. like a she's like a producer of it. I want to say. Um, oh yeah. I don't. I, maybe even like a little bit of writing credit. I'm, I oh, might wow. be wrong on that, but hmm. yeah, I th- she's like heavily involved with it. I think so. Wow. Uh, well, I will say that she's not heavily involved with it anymore because I believe that it just recently got canceled. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yep. Um, yeah. So that's role play. That's my uh, potpourri, first potpourri for the evening. Uh, do you want to, do you want to give your second one, Tony? Yeah. My next one uh, is ironically another movie that has John Cena in it. Um, <laughs> Fast X or Fast 10. Yes. Um, yeah. I finally watched that. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's more the same. Right, which we can all pretty much expect when we go into a fast movie, right? Mm-hmm. We know, we know what we're getting. There's not going to be anything that's like, oh shit, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> right. Like, you know what's going to happen. Um, but I, you know, I think I think they find ways to keep the franchise relatively fresh and interesting. Um, 
and this this entry i think what kept it what kept it fun was the addition of uh jason momoa um he is just so 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 over the top uh clearly just having a ball um with this role like i mean i i he he's like a kid in a candy store uh in yes. in this movie um it was just so it, it was fun to watch him um and i mean honestly he was like kind of a kind of an effective villain like very very um pretty menacing and like i mean he was he was over the top and he crossed the line like crazy and all mm-hmm. that stuff but there were times where i was like oh, this is actually pretty effective you know um so i i give the movie credit for that um you know a lot of the stuff is tired the whole um you know the ludicrous and tyrese their back and forth has never really been funny i mean yeah i mean of the hundred jokes they've attempted over the last six movies i've laughed twice maybe like it's just not <laughs> it's just not very good um yeah and uh poor what's the uh actress's name um uh, natalie natalie emmanuel yes oh god she just has nothing to do in these I, freaking yeah. movies. i feel so bad for her mm-hmm. she i mean good good for her for getting a paycheck but man she's just she's just like uh, i don't know it's 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 like it's like she's constantly stuck in a school zone like mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah so yeah i mean there's there's so many issues with the with the series in that regard but uh i i'm i'm going to keep showing up cuz they're 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 pretty fun um yeah i i totally agree yeah yeah and this is supposed to be this is like the first entry of like an ending trilogy right <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's supposed to be part one of a two part finale. And then the, one of the funniest things was like last summer during like the red carpet and like Italy or wherever, um, there's like, there's like a moment where Vin Diesel's like, it might be three movies and like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And like, you can see like the hope drain out of his co-stars eyes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) fuck, he's going to make us do three of these movies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah it's 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 fun um i agree completely about jason momoa and it, like oh my god he is delightfully over the top and like garish i guess would be the word um mm-hmm. he's just he he is chewing up like every moment he like it is it's incredible and in fact i was like i was so excited that i was going to like my plan was to watch the sound of music specifically because um the image for the cover art for the episode was going to be julie andrews with her arms like this uh in the beginning of sound of music and then there's a a scene where dante and fast x has it like that so like the cover art was going to be the two of them, uh, along with other uh, stuff, but yeah, but it was not meant to be. Um, and now that's recorded AM. forever. Yeah. I'm going to send <laughs> you just a picture of the, the mock-up that I made of it because I had already made the image, but, um, nice. but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought um, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things about it that I didn't really enjoy all that much was like, let's, we won't spoil what it is, but like the, the final, like reveal at the end, like the very final thing, I think, 
um, mm. was I was just like, what? Okay, well, fine. Like, what's the point of anything? Like, okay. <laughs> Right. it's just so dumb <laughs> like, yeah yes yeah <laughs> i i agree yep yep uh so yeah so that's fast x is it it's on max now or prime i don't even remember yeah. uh i don't remember where i watched it <clears throat> yeah it's available somewhere yeah. um yeah yeah um do you want me to go ahead and bring me to bring us to my my second part Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, before I do that, actually, like it's interesting that you you're doing this chronological from release date. I believe so. Yeah. Nice. That's interesting because like Fast X came out like last year. <laughs> um, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Um, wow. Peace Peacemaker came out in 2022. Then mm-hmm. that was uh, like May 23, and then the so, next, last one I'm doing is like June 23. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm going to take this opportunity to do a two-part uh, thing, which is um, I'm not going to be able – I'm not really going to talk too much about the movies themselves. But over the weekend, this past weekend, I uh, took part in an all-day, like, uh, little, like um, – I, I was with some friends, and we – watched a lot of movies um and they uh they fashioned it the uh fyff the fuck yeah film festival um and so this year uh this is this was like 8.75 i don't know um but it was uh they dubbed it february so we watched five movies directed by john woo uh, all of which were from his, uh, from uh, like Hong Kong John Woo, uh, movies. So none of his American ones. Um, okay. and yeah, this is a director that I have seen a few of his movies, mostly his, all of, all of the ones that I'd seen before this day was his stateside stuff. So I saw like, um, Broken Arrow and Face Off and, uh silent night which came out last year um and then uh of course mission impossible 2 um so i i knew what he was kind of about um but i hadn't seen any of his hong kong movies so we watched um a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow 2 which those are the two titles i'm not really going to be able to talk too much about because we watched it earlier in the day and it was um like it, it it was a long day so um but it's like this uh police crime thriller with like undercover cops and uh two two brothers one is on the straight and narrow and one is an undercover cop i think um or one is a reformed gangster one is an undercover cop i don't know the undercover cop is is horrible like he's a terrible undercover cop it's hilarious um but it's got some really good action really solid action um and uh a better tomorrow 2 has first of all let me let me set the scene um these two movies feature chow yun fat and the way that he like the way that he uh that his role is utilized in the first movie leads one to believe that there is no possible way that he could be in the second movie like i will leave it at that <laughs> But it is like, it's amazing how much he cannot be in the second movie. Um, So 
that's great. But he is in the second movie in the funniest way that they like it is. It's amazing the way that the way that the movie brings him back. Um, It's it's hilarious. I won't spoil what it is, but uh, he uh, a pleasant surprise that I had from it was that um, if you look at the cover art that I sent you, this movie, A Better Tomorrow 2, is the origin of the thumbs up um, gif that he is in where he comes out of a door frame and has a thumbs up and he's chewing something. Uh, okay. And like when that happened in the movie, I was like, Oh my God. Okay. And like we rewound it and everything. And it was just like, Holy, I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> but as far as actual, the actual movies go, a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow too. Um, a better tomorrow is definitely the standout of these two. A better tomorrow too is kind of a muddled mess because the, there is a long stretch in the middle of the movie that from what I understand, uh, one of the, like the producer and John Woo had conflict on how to tell the story that they were telling. And so what it boiled down to is that there was, I believe like second unit directing, uh, stuff in, I think New York. Um, and then John Woo in Hong Kong directing the stuff in Hong Kong. And then, I believe that the story goes that the edit, the final edit of the movie came down to just a group of editors that had no, like had no vision or any, like, uh, any, any other input into the movie. So, uh, because of that, it is like this mess of a movie where a long stretch of it has like a whole subplot that is so weird and inconsequential and, it's so it's it it almost killed the movie for me, but the final action like set piece, this gunfight in this house, um, is absolutely just incredible. It is fantastic. It elevated the movie for me. It I think it brought it up from a two star review to like a three star review. Um, it's like that's that's how just effective the action was at the end of the movie. So it was a lot of fun. Um, but that's a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow too. Um, and then I will also just sneak in a quick thought, some quick thoughts on the killer, um, which was a much better movie than a better tomorrow and a better tomorrow too. Um, I'm uh, like, it all blends together in my brain (laughs) because I spent a whole day watching these movies. Um, (laughs) but the killer had a lot of really good stuff. Um, there it's like an assassin and uh a cop and they're kind of, they're at odds but there's this this uh that classic like shared camaraderie that grows between them and it's i don't know it's it's really it's it's fun it's the killer uh i wish i could say more but check my letterbox but uh <laughs> yeah those are three of the movies that i watched um that were john woo movies and uh i enjoyed them they're they're good um, have you watched any of John Woo's Hong Kong stuff? I haven't seen any of them. No. Nice. Um, well, there are two more that I'll talk about later in this uh, episode that spoiler alert, um, two five-star movies. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, but before I get to those and everything, tiny, what is your next, uh, potpourri? Uh, my next potpourri is um, I'm trying to think if this I mean, yeah, it connects to the other stuff because it's uh, part of the 
DCU. Um, mm-hmm. I watched The Flash from last year. Oh, yeah, had not watched it yet. So, um, it almost had me sad that the DCU is ending. Um, mm. <laughs> because this, I mean, this was the best movie in my opinion so far that they've come out with. Um, oh wow, in the entire DCU. In my opinion, yeah, I, I thought it was the for me what made the whole movie and really surprised the hell out of me was the emotional journey that Barry goes through. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's a shame that Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller is so troubled mm-hmm. in his personal life and everything. Cause he is a damn good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really funny. Yeah. Uh, very not to be a douche, but it, he, uh, that's they, right. They, I, was, I forgot. Movies. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot. Um, they are really talented. Mm-hmm. I really love their acting. I mean, he's they're they're funny. They are uh, emotional. They're sad. I mean, they he, mm-hmm. they they just run through the whole gamut of emotional range in this movie, and I was so impressed with them. Uh, I it, it's a shame that they have you know <laughs> they've been through so much crap uh, in their personal life over the last couple years and yeah. have been in the news for bad things and may not be really all that employable in Hollywood anymore. <laughs> right. Um, Cause they are a talented actor, very talented. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what blew me away about the movie. That emotional journey was just, I mean, I was not expecting to be in tears at the end of the movie and I, I truly was. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, nice. I really was. And I, I thought the whole, I thought this was one of the fun ways that, you know, the multiverse stuff is, all the rage right now and mm-hmm. um you know marvel kind of set it off and and it's it's been really fun to watch in marvel but i i, I loved the creativity of how they did it in this in, in this movie you know they pulled in all these different properties together um mm-hmm. i don't know i just thought it was really fun i thought that was just such a cool a cool way to do it um i really i really liked the movie a lot um now of course there are <laughs> quite a few problems the um much like a lot of the other dc movies the this is some of the worst cgi i've seen in years (laughs) um it i mean it's it's bad and like like the whole the whole thing where he runs so fast that he goes back in time like that's that's cool and conceptually they did a good a good job but it just looked bad it just Mm. looked really bad um (laughs) And they were on the right track. It was just poor execution. I I don't know what what the 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 misstep was there, but um, you know, there's 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 some cool action scenes in here. Like there's one an early an early one, like one of the first action scenes with Batman, and like it's really cool and like it's really fun slow mo stuff, and like it's great high concept stuff, but it just looks bad. The CGI is just not there. Yeah. Um, and typically that doesn't that doesn't stand out to me um i remember uh you and i and uh ben had mm-hmm. seen what did we we saw a movie and i remember we were talking about it afterwards and ben was saying how he thought the cgi was just really bad and 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 i think you agreed but it didn't i didn't feel the same like it didn't jump out to me i can't remember what the hell we saw quantumania um, yes was it okay that, i'm glad you remember that's what it was yeah um, yeah. yeah oh god right. yeah <laughs> And and to me, like I, I didn't think that CGI was bad. I it didn't mm. bother me in that movie. Um, but it it really bothered me in this one. Um, it's wow. it's really really a shame. Um, but yeah, I just I thought it was a pretty inspired movie. I I thought it was 
just really, really fun, very emotional, really good acting from Ezra Miller. Um, yeah, just a, a, fu- a fun movie all around. Um, it's it's it, it's sort of a shame, um, you know, that that DCU is going away pretty much um, just because of the strength of this movie. But uh, I mean, it's I'm not I'm not too broken up about it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting swan song for the DCEU, um, Aquaman 2 notwithstanding, um, that movie is garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't even recommend seeing it. Honestly, it's, it's not good, but, um, yeah, but I remember liking the flash a little bit more than I expected to, but I think I ended up coming down on it a little bit in my review of it, but, um, there are there are bits to it that I enjoyed. Um, namely, I just I like the concept of the Flash, like him as a character. I've read some of the some of the comics a little bit, and he's just a he's he's a really good character. He's he his powers and the whole Speed Force thing is something that just really is interesting to me. Um, and as someone who is an avid procrastinator and <laughs> Uh, <laughs> someone who is constantly late for things. I sympathize with that aspect of his character, but, um, but like, I, I don't know. The movie didn't really satisfy me, um, across a lot of avenues. Um, and I know that a lot of, um, marketing and well, obviously a lot of the marketing had to be about Michael Keaton coming back as Batman because they couldn't really market it as Ezra Miller's, uh, movie since as you said they had a lot of problems but right. with michael keaton's involvement i think it tapped into a little bit like like a little bit of nostalgia for me but also it caught me a little bit off guard because he's 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 not the tim burton batman like he's kind of his own thing thing and that seems really weird to me and it it didn't really resonate with me Um, okay yeah interesting yeah yeah i mean you're definitely right he definitely was not the burton batman for sure um and like i don't i don't mean that as like oh he's so he's like he's like this old haggard um uh bruce wayne batman from like the tim burton universe or anything it's like I my memory of it is like he's literally just not the same Bruce Wayne as he was in the Batman like in in the Burton movies like if he is it's it's like a weird like elseworld sort of version that's not and like I feel like that is what threw me off from that is uh, from the from the movie because I was kind of expecting it to be like if nothing else a fun nostalgia trip and there's a lot of like fan servicey things like talk about the cgi and stuff like at the end of the movie there's a lot of like weird problematic stuff too um Mm -hmm. that is a little bit ridiculous but um but like i don't know it just didn't it didn't really mesh all that well for me so yeah okay that's fair yeah that's totally like like i said it was riddled with problems <laughs> yeah um i was just able to overlook some of them so mm-hmm. yeah and i can totally get like the entertainment value of it is surprisingly high for the dceu that's as much as yeah. all uh, as much compliment as i can give it i guess <laughs> okay um yeah any other thoughts on the flash 
No, that's it. All right. Well, I'm going to double up this again and talk about the final two movies of February uh, that I watched. Um, These two movies are five-star movies for me and for surprisingly very different reasons. So these are like, at least this first one is hard to find. Like, it's funny because like, um, uh, like the way that this, was procured it's it's a movie called bullet in the head from 1990 and like it's hard to find it's not like you can't like it's not like in like it's out of print and stuff i think the way that uh the way that this was procured by by nick i'll just say his name was like he um i think he had said that he was in like a video store that was going out of business and he happened to find this on the shelf um, like a bootleg copy of this movie. Um, so it was just completely happenstance. Uh, like someone on Letterboxd like commented on, on my check-in and was like, Hey, I don't want you to, you know, expose anything illegal here, but, uh, can you let me know how you got a chance to see this? Um, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> funny. yeah. And I was like, a friend found a bootleg DVD, at a video store that was going out of business in Indiana. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's, that's not the answer you want to hear, but I'm sorry. Um, but bullet in the head is about these three friends who, if I remember correctly, they kind of get seduced into the criminal underworld and they decide to go or they, they are, um, selected to go or they decide to go, um, to vietnam and this is in the 60s during like all of that they go to vietnam like i i had said in my letterbox review uh maybe don't go to vietnam to do crime um because (laughs) these three friends they go to vietnam on like i can't remember what the inciting like reason is but there's a there's a whole thing where they're being a part of the criminal element they're three friends like lifelong friends since childhood and things go awry and where this movie goes from there it is so bleak and dour and it is something i was not expecting after watching like three very kind of like high octane john woo action movies i was honestly not expecting to have this just incredibly like melancholic uh depressing um, just vision of darkness and bleakness and, uh, loyalties being tested and being torn apart. And this, like this strong bond among these three young guys just being torn apart by what they're going through as they're going through like horrific things in Vietnam. Um, it's incredible. And then (laughs) what makes it a five-star movie for me is that, it is this incredible like rumination on a lot of things, bonds of friendship and, and loyalty and all of these things. And then the last 20 minutes are an audacious action scene thing <laughs> that is incredible. It's incredible. It's we like, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Um, so it just, it just blew me away. I absolutely loved it. It's bullet in the head. Um, go to a video store and see if you can find a bootleg DVD of it. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. Um, and then the other, the other, uh, the final John Woo movie I'll talk about is, uh, 1992's Hard Boiled, 
which is a uh, an action movie that has like a cops and robbers thing. I can't remember exactly what the plot is, but it's a five star movie. Um, the thing that stands out to me about this is in my viewing experience, mind you, this was after watching five, like we had watched five movies before this because we had kicked it off with um, with Action Jackson uh, in in memoriam of, of Carl Weathers. Um, and so by the time we got to Hard Boiled, I was exhausted and, and tired and everything. And like when we were watching it, I, I hadn't seen any of these movies before. And during Hard Boiled, there is a moment where, um, where like they get a lead or something that they, they have to protect someone in a hospital. So a bunch of the characters on both sides, like the good and the bad, bad guys all converge on this hospital. And in this moment, I was thinking, oh man, I bet this hospital scene is going to be badass. And the rest of the movie for the next like 45 to 50 minutes is just the most balls to the wall, incredible action within the confines of this hospital. <laughs> like <laughs> I was so just like gobsmacked by it because I was just like, I like I was legitimately thinking this one hospital scene is going to be cool. And then they're going to move on and do more story stuff and everything. But no, it's just from then on, it is just nothing but action. And I was like, this is incredible like it is at every turn it is just a blast um and the and it's there is such a visual and auditory poetry that goes into the way john woo uh shoots action and like the bullets flying everywhere the the freaking doves of course um in like i think we notice it most prominently in the killer yeah in the killer um but like all of the action is just absolutely masterful it's it's incredible so hard boiled another five star movie just in- incredible insane i loved it that sounds really awesome yeah i highly recommend uh hunting these down um <clears throat> and is hard boiled more easy to find um, I don't know. Um, I know that there was like some, I guess like some guy like in, in the world, uh, did like his own like restoration of it, um, and sold, <laughs> sold like Blu-rays of the, that restoration of this. And I think <sighs> the killer also, and probably other movies, but apparently he, like is off like he's completely gone like like i don't know if he was uh threatened with a lawsuit or was murdered by someone but apparently like he just doesn't exist online anywhere anymore um but yeah but but i mean the transfer was freaking gorgeous like the restoration was gorgeous so um wow yeah but those might be findable in certain ways um if you uh are are willing to uh seek them out in certain ways nice yes that's uh about the most subtle way you can put that yes yes you can pirate (laughs) them is what i'm saying (laughs) um i assume you can i don't know um (laughs) right (laughs) yeah uh but that's the conclusion of the february lineup uh bullet in the head hard and hard-boiled 
both five-star movies um just absolutely blew me away yep that's awesome yeah uh highly recommend uh tiny what is your next uh, uh potpourri um so this was just kind of a topic like a discussion topic that just kind of i've been thinking about this lately so Paige and i have been re-watching boardwalk empire oh um, interesting okay yeah have not watched any of that show since it ended in 2014 so mm-hmm. uh 10 years you know it's been 10 years um and it kind of had me thinking back to that sort of era where i feel like because that show started in 2010. Mm-hmm. That was kind of around the time where I feel like a new a new golden age of television was kind of launching. Um, you know, Sopranos was taken off. Cable, cable was sort of in the beginning stages of like overshadowing basic television. Mm-hmm. Um, all these amazing shows were coming out like Boardwalk Empire and Sopranos. I feel like streaming was like getting ready to start or like um you know like the alternative providers like netflix was getting ready to come out with like house of cards um right around that time i don't remember exactly when that came out but 2013 um, because it was one of the big big reasons why i was compelled to make obsessiveviewer.com that's right that's like one of the first that's like the first thing you ever wrote about right was house of cards pretty much yeah i did episode reviews of house of cards i think the first like post on obsessiveviewer.com was like oh the changing media the changing landscape of television i'm (laughs) i'm in my early to mid 20s (laughs) i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about (laughs) but that's the thing you you weren't wrong i mean that's it really was a changing landscape and like i yeah I, i feel like that was kind of the the, the beginning of a second golden age mm-hmm. of television. And it's had me wondering, do you think that age is over? Like, do you think that's, that's concluded? Uh, y- yes. Okay. Y- yes. I, I think that this is such an interesting question. What do you, what do you feel about it? Um, I think so too. I okay. think, I think it is. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint like, okay, it was 2021 mm. or it was, you know, this day or this show or the fact that this happened, I think it's just kind of a feeling like, I think, I think we got a good seven to nine years out Mm -hmm. of this golden age and, and it's over now. And it doesn't mean that there's no good television anymore. It doesn't mean that this is going to be, we're going to go into like one of the worst eras in television. I'm not saying that I don't, I don't know where we're headed, but there are a couple reasons why I think it's over, but yeah, I I agree. I one of my kind of line of thinking with this is that there was that newness of streaming platforms, namely Netflix, um start getting it kicked off with that and then the run of streaming platforms both coming into existence and oversaturating the market with content. Um the mad dash to get a, any streamer just online um, was it, like oversaturating just in terms of, you know, what we can consume in a given day. Um, and it's it's an interesting thing to think about how television has changed over the last even decade since we started the podcast, um, because that was the outset of that was like at that point in 2013, um streaming original streaming content didn't exist yet 
except for like House of Cards um, and Hemlock Grove um, and whatever the third uh, Netflix original show, Orange is the New Black, I think. Um, Oh, yeah. But to think about how over the last decade that has changed and how like even at that time, like we had like like uh cable uh cable and premium cable so like fx and amc they had like their hit the shield of uh, uh, uh breaking bad and then of course we walking had the dead. walking dead um and then of course we had um hbo and and showtime with their stuff uh as you mentioned sopranos and boardwalk empire like the, that was like the premium content um, and then there was a shift from that to streaming. And I think in that shift, a couple of things happened. One being um, the complete bingeability of the shows um, and how it wasn't appointment television and how it, how appointment television transitioned from a preordained time, uh, time slot to you need to watch all of this show, all 10 hours of this show over the weekend or else your coworkers are going to spoil what happened. Um, and I think in that transition, like that was fun in its heyday. That was fun and exciting, especially for like people like us who do this. Um, but when you have multiple, like tons and tons of different streaming services and they're all competing for the same thing. And then now as they're getting more into uh, into like the idea of like oh we're going to implement ads into into our uh into our stuff because now the market is so saturated that we're not making money off of subscriptions and also we have to pay for like royalties um or however that shook out with the strikes um so now it's like okay we'll add like ads to it which pisses me off about like Amazon Prime because like I paid for a year of Amazon Prime and like now I think I have ads and it's like, that's not what I signed up for. And that's very yeah. just disingenuous. But, um, but I don't know. I think that the golden age of television has probably passed, but, uh, there's still like, there's, there's still like HBO is still doing their thing. Like succession was a huge success and is incredible. Right. right. Um, but I think that it's going to be kind of harder to find what the like true, like premium television is because there's such a wide landscape of areas to look for it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I, I think it's a complex issue too. And it could probably, it could probably be an entire episode. Oh yeah. um, We could talk about, not that we really do that anymore, which, Right. Maybe that maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about not to not to detract the the episode at all, but do you remember do you know what the last time we did a topic episode was? Ooh. I I want to say it's been years. Uh 5 years ago? Uh you know, it's funny. I don't know the actual year, but uh, I will hear in a second. I think. Do I not have it on here? Jesus, what are you doing, Matt? Um, <laughs> but uh, it was like episode. Um, oh, geez, I keep messing up here. Um, 
I think it was like in the 200s. Like we're recording episode 415. Oh. And wow. yeah. Yeah. Okay. The last, oh, it was on my birthday. Um, the final, and I'll say final because I don't think we're ever going to go back to topic episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the final topic episode of the Obsessive Viewer podcast was episode 212, Pets in Movies. <laughs> um, where we talked about pets and movies and also bloodline season two victor frankenstein logan and the official ov mascot revealed <laughs> yeah. uh, so what was that like 2016 june 26 2017 holy shit yep yep so i i, I yeah. don't really miss it oh me neither like i don't because we can just have a conversation like this and it's yeah. perfectly fine it doesn't it doesn't need to be a whole episode yeah um, extended potpourri but, is our new topic episodes <laughs> right right but i'm still proud of what we did i think we had <clears> oh some me good, too good discussions good episodes and yeah stuff and everything. we can have Anyways. a longer conversation off mic but like in my head i'm like yeah it's you know it's funny like when when we started the podcast like my at least idea was like you will do topic episodes because no other like movie podcast is doing that they're all reviewing like new release movies and now 10 years later Almost 11 years later, I'm thinking like, oh, that was a fun way to shoot ourselves in the foot um, <laughs> because the SEO was terrible for that. <laughs> like, like, yeah. no, like when when <laughs> like when Iron Man 3 came out, no one was looking <laughs> like no one was searching for podcasts about like baseball movies <laughs> or. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So if you guys are listening to this and have and listened to us in the early days, thank you so much for sticking around. Um, for real. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Robert in Utah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. <sighs> but yeah. And everyone and, else. Anyways. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Sidetrack tangent. That was, mm -hmm. that was that was fine. That was worth it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I think if you like if you take like the year 2014 or like 2015 as an example, you could say okay, there were there were sixteen shows that were that were four rated four stars or higher by an average mm -hmm. across all forms of media and whatever IMDB all that crap. Uh, and now if you did if you looked at the same thing, you might have twenty eight shows or thirty five shows or even forty shows. And you, yeah. you might think to yourself, like, oh, the golden, what are you talking about? The golden age isn't over. And I, I think it's, I think there's so many factors that contribute to it. And, and you hit on some of them. I think the, the, the big, the big name of the game is oversaturation. Like mm. it's, I, I think, I think COVID killed it because there became such a demand for content that anything gets put on now. And, yeah. It's like I I really 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 feel it when I look at Netflix because Netflix is overwhelming now. Oh it's, yeah, it's like you don't ha you don't have a list anymore. You don't have a list of like I want to watch this stuff. It's just everything they recommend to you, or like you find some kind of topic or genre or something, and you scroll through until you find something that you want to watch and and you watch it. Um, but like when I look at Netflix, there's so much reality. Uh, reality quote in quotations television yeah. on there now um and that's like i'm not shitting on that because that's fine there's nothing mm. wrong with that but it's there's an audience for it 
Yeah. There's an audience for it, right? And I've watched like the um fuck, what's it called? Um uh, it doesn't matter. The one where they're in the pods, um, the oh. love one. What oh, the fuck is that uh, called? Is it that Love is um, Blind? Love is Blind, okay. thank you. Uh Paige watches it. And mm-hmm. I swear to God, they come out with a new one every two, three yeah. months. Um and so I've watched some of it, and it's like it's not. I, I get into it, and I hate it. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's just mm-hmm. not. It's just crazy. I don't know. It's I, not I, like fulfilling, and and I it's don't. Not fulfilling. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a condescending way at all. I just like what I've come to know over the years is that, and I think I've I've talked about this on the podcast before. So, um, apologies for repetition, but like there is a significant difference between like when like we like the things that we watch um and the things that like the reasons that we watch things and i'm not saying that like we're better than anyone at all but like i'm talking about blanket statement of people who spend a lot of their time talking and thinking about movies and tv the way that we do when we have a platform to, if it's even just writing something on Letterboxd or doing a full podcast episode, we're engaging with it in a different way than other people are. And that's not saying it's a better way. I'm just saying that the conventional way that people consume media is entertainment. It is something that is not, they're not, they throw it on because they don't want to think too much. They don't want, like, it's an escape from their daily lives. Like, it's an escape from, you know, if work is bad one day, you know, they're not going to, like, I don't think someone will throw on, um, like, throw on, like, The Wire, uh, or anything. Like, they'll go to Love is Blind, because that's something to throw on in the background. I've, like, I tore through, like, I have rewatched the sitcom Superstore, I think I've seen it a total of three times since COVID, or no, since, since after COVID, since like, well, yeah, since after lockdown. Um, and it's not, it's fine. Like, I I wouldn't even say it's fine. It's not that good. Like, <laughs> it is, it's it's the example of that meme of like, oh, I want to watch The Office. We have The Office at home. And The Office at home is Superstore because it's just right. very derivative. But, right. but I still will throw it on and watch the entire run of the show because it's relatively short and it doesn't demand too much attention. And sometimes I need that. So I think there's, that's all stuff that's been talked about before, but, but yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But it's, again, I think there's a lot of contributing factors and it's something you kind of touched on too, is that I think event television is basically over. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't pretty much doesn't exist anymore. I think, I think it kind of peaked. I think social media helped it helped it peak because mm-hmm. I think about like the last probably two seasons of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. 2018, 2019. And I think about like yeah. um when um Downton Abbey was like at its peak popularity, you would have people like live tweeting yes. while the episodes are airing and stuff. And like that was like looking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous. But mm-hmm. like in the moment that shit was really fun. Like, oh absolutely like like you could spend the whole night looking at Game of Thrones reactions from the episode and mm-hmm. like it was funny, it was exciting, it made you want to watch it again. It made you like wait on pins and needles for the next episode next mm-hmm. week and like 
that was awesome. And that's that's yeah. gone. I mean, there there are still shows that come out, you know, one episode at a week, but I feel like nobody mm-hmm. watches them. I maybe maybe it's my bias because I don't watch show. I we cannot watch TV that way anymore. Oh, we just yeah. wait. Like um True Detective, the new season, we haven't watched mm-hmm. I haven't started it because right. we're just waiting for all the episodes to come out and then we're gonna watch them. And yep. and that is that's silly. And it, I can fully admit that's silly and like it's it's not probably what HBO wants. Right. But we've just we're just spoiled now. And yeah. I, I feel like I feel like most viewers have have changed their habits that we want stuff streaming. Mm. We want it all now and we want to watch it as quickly as possible. It's it's like yeah. it's like we're all it's like we're all crackheads. And that's yeah. how that's how television is now. And mm. like it's not that the quality is really bad. Um the quality is still very good. There's some mm-hmm. damn good TV shows that are still on. It's just the demand is so high. There's so much of it. Yeah. Um. I I think, in my opinion, I think COVID killed it because mm. demand went through the roof and more services launched and every single yeah. one of those services needs a hundred shows. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as a season anymore. Like stuff just comes out. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no ebb and flow. Yeah. There's no like off season where you just watch sports or something or you mm-hmm. fucking go outside. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's not. And like, again, that's not in and of itself bad. It's just mm-hmm. different. And I, I I wonder if I would love to in moments like these, I start to feel my age a little bit. I'm not saying that we're old, but like, mm-hmm. I really want to know what Gen Z and Gen Alpha feel like. Do they? Oh, yeah. Do they even think about it? Like it's it's probably just normal to them. It's. It's so interesting to me to think about (laughs) like Gen Z and Gen Alpha and the way that there was something that I think it's more just, I'm just annoyed at TikTok, but like, um, (laughs) just like the, uh, I, I, this is, nah, this isn't really connected. I was just going to say like the repetition of jokes and bits on TikTok, like, people will just do literally the exact same bit that someone else did. Right. And it'll get thousands and thousands of views. And it's like, I'll see the same thing multiple times. And it's just like, this is, I don't know why this is viewed as quality content, but, um, but to bring it back to actual TV and, and the, the landscape of television, how it's evolved. It's so interesting to me. Like, as I, I like, and this isn't necessarily a plug for Patreon, I promise, but, um, in one of my recent reviews of Foundation season two, which in my brain, in my brain, and I had the same thought when I reviewed season one on Patreon, in my brain, no one's listening to those reviews. <laughs> like, I feel like no, <laughs> I feel like there is no cultural, like, land, like, footprint on Foundation. I don't feel like that has, that has really, I don't know. I don't think anyone's listening to those episodes, but in it, one of my frustrations, like the show is is getting a little bit better in season two, um, but one of my big hangups in a recent episode that I reviewed, I think it was like episode four or five, um, is the continual use of just really dumb uh, explanatory dialogue that explains or reinforces what happened in the previous episode. And the point that I made in my review is that um, we don't need that anymore. 
like granted foundation was released weekly on apple tv plus but it was released on apple tv plus that type of television writing where there are lines of dialogue that are specifically designed to remind the viewer of the thing that happened last week is not something that's an antiquated way of writing television because that yeah because that was born from a time where you know you watched an episode of tv and then a week later you watched an episode of tv and then in six months it was released on dvd or it was rerun in the summer on like a set schedule so you need that type of dialogue but when you have a streaming platform you don't need that and it's very very um annoying and it stands out in a very bad way for a modern television show to have those types of crutches written into the dialogue because it feels like they're just not adapting to what television is today um and also it's just really annoying because it's very like it's just very surface level writing too because that that show has some problems but um but yeah it's it's interesting i don't i don't i don't know um yeah I, yeah it's 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 weird like I, I don't want i don't want to give the um the impression that like i'm not interested in tv anymore i'm watching right. more tv than i've ever watched in my life like mm-hmm. it's I, I it's just and there's still so much good television like i just i just talked about peacemaker that was fantastic mm-hmm. i really loved it uh mrs Maisel watched the last oh, season yeah. of that fucking fantastic show mm-hmm. and it's so good uh, Mrs. Davis, I watched that. I remember uh, you talking about that, yeah. Uh, last year, and that was super, super creative, unique, one of a kind show, and you know stuff like that's still coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because like, like me, like Mrs. Davis was not very was not really a blip on my radar in, until you talked about it on the podcast, and even then, I just never got around to it. And there are a ton of shows out there that. It's just, it's so interesting how oversaturated things are with like the television medium is like you even see like, uh, this is another example, like Better Call Saul, um, the, uh, the continuation or prequelization of one of the biggest television shows of the last like two decades, Mm -hmm. like it like Breaking Bad was a cultural phenomenon and with good reason. It is one of the greatest television shows I've ever seen. Better Call Saul ran for six seasons. It had the acclaim. It had the viewers. It had like all of the, um, it, it had everything going for it. It was that it was, I don't know if it was as much of a cultural, uh, thing as Breaking Bad, but it was pretty dang close. The Emmys happened and, it ended its run having never won a single Emmy after being nominated for like 50 over the course of its run or something obscene like that. And it's like, it is now one of the most losingest television shows in Emmy history. And I don't, yeah. And I don't take a lot of stock in like award shows or anything, but it's just interesting as a reflection of like, like our culture and everything that it's so, there's there's there are just so many different directions our eyes can be pointed at mm-hmm. and it just it's just an interesting kind of uh uh thing there with yeah it's it's weird 
And and I feel like its effect on culture has changed too because like it's it's easy to point to Game of Thrones, but it's it's the best example. That was a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. or um breaking bad, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where you could go you could go into work on Monday or even just throughout the week and you just talk about it with your coworkers or you talk yeah. about it with your friends over drinks because everybody was watching it and everybody saw it. But you can have a, a show now it's just as good as that. So like, or objectively just as good as that, like Mrs. Maisel, right? Mm-hmm. But you could go, go hang out with your friends and talk about it. And out of your 10 friends, maybe only two of them have seen it. Yeah. And it's because they're watching Better Call Saul or they're watching, mm-hmm. you know, Love is Blind or they're watching Succession or they're watching mm-hmm. Peaky Blinders or whatever. And it's like, those are all fantastic shows too. But it's like, I feel like our cultural discussion um water cooler talking and stuff like that that's that's just not television isn't part of that anymore and it's yeah it's not again it's not because the quality is dipped it's Mm. because of the saturation that's just yes and more recently like this could be a whole other thing and and it doesn't need to be but like there's also um the question of platforms to talk about it that digital social media water cooler has shifted because Elon Musk is a moron and has just thrown Twitter down the like Twitter is borderline unusable now. Right. Um, and it's just he's like he's such a dork about it and he has changed everything. Like it is it is insufferable. So I feel like, yeah, if there is a cultural, like culturally significant television show, like like I, I haven't watched the show, but Curb Your Enthusiasm just started its final season. Right. I think that in a pre-Elon Musk Twitter slash X world, yeah, there's probably conversations going on there. But, like, I don't see, at least now, a route where, like, Threads is going to be the go-to water cooler place to talk about television um, so I think that there's like a right. vacuum in terms of where people can congregate online to share this like global touchstone of, of media and thoughts That's on true. it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like, uh, probably the most, I don't know, culturally significant social media platform now is probably TikTok, maybe Instagram. Oh yeah. As opposed to Twitter, yeah. you know, and non-text based non-text space it's mm. not you don't see a lot of you see some like kind of yeah, criticism uh critic critic type stuff and are people reviewing kind of like you do with your your book talk stuff and all that oh, yeah. like there's there's some of that for sure but that is like of the style of tiktoks that's not even in the top 10 most popular right whereas Game of Thrones tweets were like the number one trending, the top, it took like the whole top 10 spots of trending tweet tweets for a week yeah. after the, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just the, the impact was just different back then. And again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's, it's, it's just, it's so weird. Cause it's like, you would expect a huge fall off in so many ways. Like the shows would get really shitty and no one's mm-hmm. talking about them anymore. And, uh, whatever but that's not the case they're still great shows people yeah. are still talking about it. just there's just so so many disconnects now i yeah it's just it's very interesting how the culture culture has changed regarding television oh just totally. in the last like four years yeah and i think that the, and there are those there are some examples of some shows that are 
that have been able to break through that and be cultural things like that, like, like succession or, Mm -hmm. um, the white Lotus has been huge, uh, for that, but it's not like, it doesn't feel like we're on a schedule anymore. It doesn't feel like the social media machine is on the schedule or like, Oh yeah, let's live tweet the series finale of succession. And then, Oh, Oh wow. The new season of, um, the white Lotus just dropped. Let's, let's talk about this now. It's like, when you get like those big, like buzzy shows that are cultural in the cultural conversation and the zeitgeist and everything, it feels like they're few and far between uh, compared to 10 years ago on social media. Right. Yeah. So, right. That's cool. I, I was curious what you were going to say. I wasn't sure if you were going to agree that it was over or, if it ever really was a golden era or a second golden era or a third golden era. I don't, I don't oh, even yeah. know about that, but, um, I do think it, like, I think, I do think still that television has never been better. Really? Um, yes. it's yeah. still, it's still a great medium. It's just oversaturated with things. Um, right. and poor business practices too. Like I said, the whole ads thing is ridiculous. Um, yeah. but yeah, do you, I was I was thinking just we can end on this, but mm-hmm. when do you think the peak was for this oh, age? For me, for me, it was the last season of Game of Thrones, which people pretty resoundingly didn't like, but right. it was so fucking popular and was like it's all anybody was talking about, and yeah. everyone was watching it. There, there wasn't near the amount of streaming mm. over saturation, and Twitter was kind of at its peak, and uh, you know that was to me that was the peak of. The goal. There were so many other good shows at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I'd say 2018, 2019 was kind of the peak. You know, that's interesting. And I'll, I'll probably end up agreeing with you on that specifically because House of the Dragon had a full season of a t- TV show. And I feel like that, like, I think it, it satiated the Game of Thrones fans or satiated the Song of Ice and Fire fans like the hardcore fans, but I don't think it made nearly the blip on the cultural land, like, like radar. Maybe that's also probably due to the poor quality of the final season of game of Thrones. Um, but I think that that's also something to consider too. But, um, my jokey response would be that even though, yes, we're releasing this on February 15th, but I would say the the final like bow of peak television was a couple of weeks ago with the finale of the Travis and Taylor NFL Experience <laughs> show, <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> which uh, just brief, 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 brief tangent, and then we can we can move on. But um, I get so annoyed when I hear people complain about Taylor Swift in the NFL. Like, I don't care. For real. Like, it's just, it's so, like, anytime I see someone complain about having to see Taylor Swift on TV, um, I just think, like, in my head, I'm like, imagine having an opinion about that. Like, right. imagine, ha- imagine, like, thinking that that's important enough to form an opinion about it and be angry about it or be any, any one way about it. Um, I'm not saying that in defense of Swifties or anything like that. I'm saying that because it's obnoxious and annoying when people get annoyed over trivial things. Um, and it says more about them than it does the actual 
issue or it, the actual event or whatever. Yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, do you want me, we can kind of start winding down here a little bit. Do you have any more after this? No, that's all I had. Um, okay. I didn't mean for that to go on that long, but. Oh no, uh, that was great. Um, I, I will go ahead and give, uh, I, I, I'll do one more that kind of ties in a little bit to what we were talking about. Um, so we talked about how it's been kind of like the television landscape has been oversaturated and what I have found myself doing over the last couple of days is I had an itch that I wanted to scratch and that itch was to revisit a television show from the past. And I, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'm not going to toil in like the, like the, the reveal of it or whatever. I was going to do a whole thing where I was like going to quiz you on what you think it is, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm um, curious now. Yeah. <laughs> I got a hankering to revisit. I think, I think honestly it was because I watched a lot of action with John Woo movies. I decided, uh, you know, before. Yes. Ah. Yes. I, I was like, you know, I should, uh, maybe, maybe I'll like, maybe I'll watch 24 a little bit. Um, yeah. It, it also, uh, shout out to, to Nick who I've referenced before and who was on the podcast, uh, last week. Um, he wrote a great series, uh, or I think it was a, I think it was, a, I don't remember how many parts of it. I think it was a countdown. Um, on Midwest Film Journal, the beautifully named, uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was a full series, but, uh, the brilliantly named, uh, Gone in 60 Minutes. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a series about, uh, actors on 24 who were only in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was so clever. He has a whole countdown. Uh, and it's great. It's great. I'll, if I remember, I'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, but I, like, I was, I kind of had a hankering to like revisit like season four, which in my eyes, season four is like the most just straightforward action, um, show where they kind of just kind of took things in a different direction to make it more focused on, uh, action instead of like having like interpersonal problems and, and they streamlined it, uh, quite a bit in season four. Um, but I also had a little bit of nostalgia that I wanted, I wanted to watch it from the beginning, but I was like season one, I saw that so many times. So I just started season two cause it's a bigger scale and I'm like six episodes in seven episodes in. Um, and it's, it's so, it's so fun in a nostalgic sense to revisit this show um a couple of things that have kind of a, cu a couple of things that have kind of just been more in my mind this time watching it is that season two for those who don't know has a nuclear bomb plot um and i think that's part of the reason why i wanted to watch season two was because season one was in the can and done like it was it was going to like it premiered like either a week before or a week after or in, in a very short amount of time from 9-11. Um, so the entire show was basically made um, 
like right before or a considerable amount of it was made right before the before 9-11 and 9-11 literally changed it's it's kind of hackneyed to say it, it changed everything like changed our perception of of you know uh, our safety in america and terrorism uh and it created this level of fear among the american population um, that 24 kind of seemed not eager to comment on, but it was, it was an interesting thing because perfect, perfectly poised. Yes. Perfectly yes. poised to comment on it. Yeah. Yes. So season two, they went all in like a nuclear bomb plot in Los Angeles that they had to track it down and everything. And what I find so interesting about 24 um, I'll talk about like a really brief, like serious kind of political aspect of it that I'm not going to harp on, but it's so interesting to see the kind of political drama that unfolds in 24 in 2002 in season two compared to like the, com the political climate in the real world in 2024. <laughs> like it's so weirdly tame and it's so it's so interesting because I know that a lot, my understanding is a lot of the people that wrote for 24 were like conservatives. Like it was, it was a fairly conservative run show from what I understand. Um, and it's so interesting because like there's a, there's a plot line in season two where, <laughs> where uh, a reporter is, um, a reporter is uh, preparing to uh, go live with a with like um, basically something that would that would cause everyone to go into a panic, and so President David Palmer meets with the meets with the um, uh, meets with a reporter, and he's like, "Hey, you know, sit on this. You like nothing's going on. Sit on this, and you know, next week I'll give you a full thirty minute." Uh, interview just with just with me and then the reporter's like uh something's clearly going on like this i don't remember the last time like a reporter had a one-on-one -on -one meeting and a moment's notice and got offered this like something's going on and i'll consider this but you know also i'm gonna go live with it and then the president of the united states detains this this reporter <laughs> And like, as I'm watching it, like four episodes go by and the, and like, um, uh, Palmer's like one of his aides is like, you know, people are, people are asking what's going on with this reporter. It's been, he hasn't been, no one's been able to contact him for four hours because the U S government has detained him in a bunker somewhere to keep him from reporting something. And it's just like. It's so interesting because my perception of like the early seasons of 24, I was a teenager. Like my perception of that is like, oh yeah, it's, you know, David Palmer is like this virtuous person and he's a very idealistic person and everything. And then like, I don't know, it just seems like very interesting writing that it's like, he's, you know, he's d detaining a, a reporter that now like in the political climate of today, it's like, oh my God, that is horrific. That is like... <laughs> Oh my God. Um, right. So I don't know. I, there's other things with the political side of it that I could get into, but, um, but it's just, it's really, it's, it's pretty entertaining so far. I don't know. Have you revisited it at all in the last decade? 
Not at all, mm. but yeah, it would be very nostalgic. Sure, yeah, I, I could, I could totally see myself doing it for nostalgia purposes. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely worth it. Um, we were obsessed with that show. Oh my god, that was that was that was that was the show. That was it. it that was. and Lost were the two like in the Shield for a bit. Right. Uh, yeah, Jesus, that was the that was the true heyday of television for us. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing about 24 that is more like this is me being condescending to it um, is that <laughs> it's so quaint and kind of it's it's quaint. Like one of my go to things about 24 is anytime they refer to um, they like especially in season two, anytime they refer to um whatever nation is backing the terrorists and everything they never say the name of the country they say like they have like a file like a folder and it's like they're they're backed by representatives of this country and then david palmer's like get get this country's prime minister on the phone and like i understand that it's trying to sidestep uh like uh xenophobia islamophobia all of all of that and to its credit the show did do an interesting thing with at on one hand it's throughout the second season it addressed islamophobia in a way in its own weird way um and also kind of played up um expectations by kind of doing its whole twisty thing like oh we have this character who is uh, a muslim character and it's not gonna be what you think about him um, so it kind right. of played up that, but, but the really kind of quaint and condescending thing I'm going to say about it is that it's so funny to see, like, um, I feel like maybe me knowing a little bit more about, you know, the world, it's just so, I'll, I'll go ahead and be condescending and sarcastic, but it's cute to see 24 do what I, what I in my head have started dubbing as dumb political drama like <laughs> it's just it's not the west wing it's not and it's not designed to be it's subplots in an action uh in a, in an action series but it's always like the most like oh you, how are we going to figure out this political backstabbing thing like oh we'll you know we'll leak this story here and oh i can't believe you did that behind my back it's just it seems very just kind of dumb and quaint <laughs> right so, yeah so i don't know but it, i'm entertained by it i don't know how deep i'll get into it but i will say i've never seen uh 24 live another day which was the uh limited series they had after the series ended and they also had 24 legacy uh which was a spinoff that i never saw so was maybe. that with cory was that with cory hawk yep yep yeah yeah. yeah. So I think I watched both of those. Oh, really? Interesting. I, th I think so. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, entertaining show though. I it's it's fun. And and, and the final thing is something that I like I I don't know. I don't I, it's not worth getting into. Just basically I was going to say like it's just funny to me that like in season 6 it seems like season 6 my memory of it goes so far off the rails across everything like they had like the there was a subplot involving um a presidential aide or whoever played by powers booth who they wrote in 
a a love affair that he had with a staffer that was like a an attractive young woman and like i honestly think it is the least amount of on-screen chemistry i've ever seen in any medium like <laughs> it's insane my memory of it is insane like i just like wow it's i remember thinking that anytime they had a scene where they had to kiss or do anything intimate, I got the sense, and this is maybe just a little bit, uh, a little bit um, derogatory toward uh, uh, Powers Booth, the the deceased. But it just, I felt like, I felt like anytime they hit, they said cut, the actress ran and took a shower because it had <laughs> that sense of like repulsion. Um, that I don't know, but anyway, that's funny. Wow, yeah, I don't, rem- I don't really remember that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, where is it streaming? Uh, Hulu, Hulu, okay, yep, yep, and it might also right. be on Amazon Prime, but I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm watching it on Hulu, okay, um, cool, yeah, yep, and they've got all of it, including the limited series and the, the spinoff and the, the like TV prequel movie, movie. to the season movie. seven, yeah, yep, I remember that, yep, yep. 24 Crazy. redemption um yeah yeah entertaining action show so yeah sure sure um yeah i am tapped out i think me too yeah so uh that will do it um any any final thoughts tiny anything else rapid fire that you've watched or anything mm. No, no, I don't think so. Nice. I think that's that was a good potpourri. Yeah, it absolutely was. And uh actually real quick, um <laughs> I saw that you rewatched Jack Reacher. Um and that made me think and part of it is maybe part of this is why I've been watching 24 um is that I've been curious to watch Reacher on Amazon Prime, but I didn't want to watch it with ads. So <laughs> um oh. yeah, I'm curious if you've watched any of it. I've heard great things. I watched the first season. Okay. Um it's the guy they brought in. I can't remember the actor's name. He's yeah. he's fun. Like it's 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 much more over the top than the mm-hmm. movie. Something um, Richardson. I can't remember. Yeah, he's yeah. he was in Fast Ten actually. Yeah. Um, he's he's very over the top. The show is very over the top, but in a pretty fun kind of tongue in cheek way. Okay. Um, it's it's it was it was fun. I, I I've been meaning to watch the second season. I just haven't got around to it yet. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's it's definitely a departure from the movie. I prefer okay. the movie, uh, not the second movie. The second movie was nowhere near as good. Yeah, that's what I've um, heard. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I uh, um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the second season. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, definitely report back on that. Sure. Um, okay, well, that brings us to the end of episode 415 of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Uh, Tiny, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, and next week on the show, uh, on the docket for episode 416 is a review of Madam Web and with a secondary review of Players, which is on Netflix as of February 14th. Um, so look forward to that next week. Of course, uh, Patreon will get that episode um, Monday while everyone else will get it on Thursday, uh, just as they got this episode on Monday and everyone else got it on Thursday. So um, consider uh, signing up on patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to start playing us out. Um, also, check out our other shows, Tower Junkies, uh, which we need to do a Tower Junkies episode at some point soon. It's been, yeah. been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. And also, speaking of a hot minute, I'm going to need to do Anthology very soon. I promise I'm going to bring that back. <laughs> Um, but all of that is available everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive feed for this and more exclusive content. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer write a stronger show (laughs) like write a stronger show trust that the audience is going to connect with it especially when it's something like science fiction and it is this genre television like people will clamor for it if you write it well don't hold their hands don't pander to them don't anticipate that they're not going to follow the story or not going to want to follow the story because you're putting training real training wheels into the script every episode and it's annoying and it's making me frustrated and making me not want to watch the show it's as simple as that it's as cut and dry as that it's annoying it's frustrating and it makes me feel like the show that the writers and david s goyer do not feel confident in their storytelling and Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Matt Hurt. If you have feedback, thoughts on our reviews, or just want to connect, you can email me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. For more information on all of our shows, including a full archive of our episodes and show notes, plus plenty of written reviews, visit obsessiveviewer.com. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a follow on social media and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. Also, consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible to help increase our visibility and help grow our community. If you want to support the show and help keep us going while getting early access to new episodes as well as a steady stream of exclusive content, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Our theme song is A Little Mad Sometimes by As Good As It Gets. For more of their music, check them out on Spotify and at asgoodasitgetsmusic.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.